Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. It is Monday, March 11th. Ben and Sam here with you today to talk some basketball, to talk some baseball. Clemson's basketball tourney hopes are still alive after a couple good wins in a row. The baseball team just swept the number three team in the country, North Carolina, over the weekend. All of this meaning that we don't have to quite yet fire Brad Brunell or Monty Lee. And Sam, before we get going here, one thing that we haven't touched on here on the podcast, it is basketball related, but I keep seeing it pop up in articles uh, even though this happened a few weeks ago but um trevor lawrence intramural basketball game what's your take on that me personally you don't set a pick in the backcourt in an intramural basketball game especially against possibly the best college football player in the country yeah i think i think the pick was ill-advised but i think trevor should have got tossed from the game if i was reffing it he would have been out uh he way overreacted to it and he was clearly in the wrong as well the guy made a basketball play. It was overly aggressive, but uh, I think Trevor should have gotten the boot for that. I disagree, man. Don't be a hero. Um, you played Trevor Lawrence in a pickup game. You don't even defend him. You let him score on you, and you tell your kids and your grandkids about it. That's it. No, man. You dunk on him. That's that's the goal. Did you want to make him like look like dunk? a fool. Heck no. <laughs> No, he was like 5'10". There was no way. Uh, but, uh, well, maybe that's why Trevor didn't see that him. Turned around. That may be too far below his vision. But I mean, if you're playing against a bunch of the, the football guys in basketball and intramurals, you're going to play your heart out and you're going to try your best. If they well, don't want to play tough and they don't want to deal with people being overly aggressive, which you know you're going to get if you're that team, uh, they shouldn't have stepped on the court. Well, I guess that's the real question. Should the football team even be on the court? Um, yeah, I mean, that's Debo's talked about it a lot. He wants these guys to have a real college experience, and that's part of it. But they should know, being celebrities on campus, that they're going to get everybody's best shot. Well, and also you've got your uh, career in front of you. Somebody just got hurt playing pickup basketball. Several. Was it one of the yeah. newcomers? Pink, I can't remember. Pink, Pinkney got hurt, um, uh, yeah, and somebody yeah, yeah. else did too. There's a couple, actually. Yeah, I think there's a true freshman coming in that's been injured, and then Pinkney. Uh, well, regardless, not here to talk football. We are here to talk basketball. Um, Sam, let's start off with though with the women's team. Just another huge congratulations to Coach Amanda Butler. She won the ACC Coach of the Year award, and I mean, I think that was obviously a no-brainer considering the team won one game last year. And how many did they win in league play this year? Uh, I think they ended up at ten and eight. I'm looking at the standings right now, but. Uh, Long story short of their season is is they're still alive. They are projected to be a nine seed in the NCAA tournament this year. Uh, they just lost a really close game where Louisville, number three in the country, pulled away late uh, in, I think it was the semifinals or the quarterfinals of the women's ACC tournament. Uh, this team, along with Coach Butler, has, has just had an incredible year and an amazing turnaround from last year. Like you said, going from, from one win to way more. Um, and they look like a real basketball team last year. It was impossible to watch games this year. They look good. 
Yeah, it's amazing uh, the difference that one year can make. Going into the season, women's basketball obviously wasn't even on our radar considering the the, the recent history and, hell, all of the history uh, for Clemson women's basketball. But it, it's just the amazing turn, turnaround that just jumps out at you. Um, so the success in, a, in and of itself is something to be celebrated. And now it's just kind of the cherry on top, icing on the cake of them probably getting a berth in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, they're they're definitely going to get into the tournament. Uh, they ended up at nine and seven in the conference in the ACC, which was good for uh, seventh and behind only ranked teams. So there's six ranked teams in ACC and women's basketball this year, um, and Clemson is the next best in in the standings. So they are going to be one of seven or eight ACC teams to get in and uh, projected to be a nine seed. So players like Danny Edwards and Aaliyah Collier, who have been with Clemson all four years and are seniors, get a chance to to prove what they've got and, and make a run at an NCAA tournament. So hopefully they can get at least a win and then, you know, they'll be playing somebody like a Notre Dame or Louisville in round two if they if they win that first eight nine matchup. But hopefully they can get a win and, and have a good showing in the NCAAs. Yeah, when it comes to Clemson basketball, when you're the next best, you actually take that. That's a good thing. Um Okay, so before we move on to the men's basketball team here, Sam, uh, I just wanted to really quick give a plug to the podcast. Um, please follow us, uh, reach out to us. We're at Clemson Podcast on, on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us, clemsonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and then also Tully, uh, one of our other hosts, he just sat down with uh, TJ Harley from Harley Creative. He's a, he's a Clemson grad who did – uh, the work on Clemson's uh, championship, 2019 Bay Area championship uh, logo design. So Tully sat down with him. Uh, it's a quick 22-minute interview, so it's going to get the Sam Ring stamp of approval. But uh, go check that out. <laughs> Sam, have you uh, listened to it yet? I did. I gave it a listen. It was a good interview. It's definitely worth the much shorter episode than we are used to. Well, it's a, it's a departure from what we normally do, so it's a good kind of a change up there. I listened to the first half of it today on the home uh, walk home from work, and I will listen to the second half on my uh, uh, walk to work tomorrow morning. So uh, look out for that. It's on SoundCloud or whatever podcasting app you subscribe to. Uh, go check it out on there. Uh, but Sam, let's get into the to the men's basketball team. Okay, Sam, 19 and 12 on the year, 9 and 9 in the ACC. That's good for a ninth place finish. Uh, I guess we're technically kind of tied with North Carolina State, but uh, they'll get the tiebreaker due to that uh, heartbreaking win of theirs, for well, heartbreaking for the Tigers early in the, earlier in the season. But I kind of want to yep. take a step back here and look at where we are. We're coming off of two wins. We're still on the bubble, I, I would say, of trying to get into the NCAA tournament. But just to take a look at where this Tiger team has come, after starting one and six, after seven conference games, losses at Duke, at Syracuse, at home versus Virginia, and then on the road against FSU, and then the aforementioned NC State, uh, we know how that one ended. Uh, but to go eight and four cents over the last 12 to get us to 500, um, absolutely amazing the bounce back for this team. And that's uh, including suffering last second losses to Miami and Louisville on the road and then to North Carolina at home. So those are three of the four losses. Uh, those three losses being by a total of four points. So, you know, this team may not be great, but they've got grit. Absolutely. Um, I mean, if you include that NC State game, right, we have one loss by more than two points since 
uh, January 22nd. So we lost Florida State by uh, nine on January 22nd. And after that point, we went eight and five with four four games that we lost by two points or less. Um, the NC State one that directly followed it that week and the three that you just mentioned. So uh, this team's good. They just need to find a way to put it together and have consistent showings. Uh, watching that Syracuse game, if you watched the first half, you were worried about our chances. We had, I think, at least 10 turnovers in the first half, and uh, we didn't look good. The second half, we looked amazing. If that team comes out and plays like that in those second 20 minutes against Syracuse, we can compete with pretty much every team in the country, with the exception of the Dukes, Gonzagas, and Virginias. Well, and the ability of this team to not get down on themselves and just it, – it's not like anything you know genius happened in the second half of that game, but they bared down on defense, and they just they just kept going at it. The shooting percentages were low the, throughout the game, but, um, again, it's it's that grit that they have, and it's um, not just this Brad Brownell team, but it's a characteristic of many of his past teams, and which is one of the reasons why he's still the, the, the basketball coach here. Um, I, I still think it's foolish to be calling for his head. you got to let the season play out. The guy went to the Sweet 16 last year. He's got 19 wins so far this year. If you look at any point in Clemson basketball history and you see Sweet 16 appearance followed by a 19-win season, you're not firing that coach the, that, that year. Absolutely not. Um, it was yeah. always a ridiculous thing to say, uh, but I think the finish that the team has had has just proven that out. Um, and they're they're looking good going into the ACC tournament this week. Yeah. So what what to what extent do you think the uh, tournament committee starts to weigh those close losses and throw in the fact that one of our non conference losses was to a twenty two and nine Mississippi State team without uh, without uh, with Reed uh, being injured? Uh, yeah. Those during that three was it three games that that he was out. Yep. To what extent do they take these factors uh, into consideration? They definitely consider it. Um, you've he- you've heard a lot this year about the net ratings, uh, which I think we're 30th in now, 30th, 32nd, something like that. Um, but these are humans that are looking at numbers amongst other things. And so they're going to look at a loss like um, like Mississippi State and say, oh, that was a good, good team that they played and they were missing their leading scorer. We're not going to hold it against them as much. Uh, it's definitely part of it, but you never know until – selection Sunday, how much of a role it plays. Right. And I know people make the argument that our win versus Virginia tech uh, was not what it seems because they were missing their best player, but it, it, this pen, the pendulum swings both ways, right? The same thing happened to us against Mississippi state. Yep. Um, it does. It totally, it totally goes both ways. Uh, and I think Virginia tech has proven in their subsequent games since we beat them, that they're still a very, very uh, potent team without Justin Robinson. They've continued to win. They're still number 11 in Ken Palm ratings, and uh, they're number 12 in those net ratings that I just mentioned. So they've got wins against Duke, Notre Dame, and Miami, uh, as well as Georgia Tech and Pitt since they lost to us. So they beat Duke um, with Zion since since they without Justin Robinson. So they're still an incredibly good team. So I think we still are going to get plenty of credit for that win. And we need it because it's still technically our only one, our only, our, our only quad one win uh, on right. the season. And we're not going to get into the semantics of explaining these quads that they've come up with. Um, but given our body of work to date, 
do we get into the NCAA tournament on that alone as of right now? If we lose, you mean if we lose to NC State on uh, on Wednesday? Yeah, just judging by our body of work right now, are we in? We can't say for sure. Uh, there's a good chance. Right now, they've still got us as, as one of the last four teams into the tournament as a 12 seed. Uh, but that is going to be dependent on how many bid steals happen in smaller conference tournaments. So there are 30-something uh, conferences in the NCAA. And each one gets an automatic bid for their conference champion. If there's a smaller conference, for example, the SOCON, uh, where Wofford and Furman and and those teams play, which we're all familiar with being in the upstate. um, If, if Wofford, for example, had lost the championship game tonight, which they just beat UNC Greensboro. uh, But if Greensboro had won that game, they are. So Wofford has a resume that is, without fail, going to get them into the tournament, no matter if they get that automatic bid or not. If there are a bunch of teams like that that lose their conference tournaments and teams that wouldn't get in uh, without that automatic bid steal those bids, we could be we could find ourselves on the outside looking in because there are fewer available at-large bids to go around because a team like Wofford is going to get in above us no matter what. And so if a team like UNC Greensboro had stolen that bid, it would hurt our chances of making it as a bubble team. So, bottom line, we root for can't the favorites Clemson in the small fans. conferences, and we can't be sure until until Sunday happens. Well, and the bottom line is, Clemson fans can't be comfortable right now, and neither can the team, obviously. No. So, you've got to move ahead and look um, at what your options are uh, to enhance your resume, and that comes in the first round game against North Carolina State, which we'll talk about here in a little bit in the ACC tournament. Now, looking beyond that, I, I think if we win that one, that we f- both feel good about Clemson definitely being a lock because at that point, um, you know, both teams are nine and nine in the ACC. They're eighth and ninth respectively. Again, with NC State getting the nod because of their win earlier this year, but I think a uh, a neutral court tournament win should Clemson go on to beat NC State. Uh, this week um, would trump that first victory earlier in the year by NC State. Yeah, I think uh, recency bias is always a thing with with the tournament committee and having a statement win. That's also a revenge win for a game that we cl- lost on a very close last second three pointer from like 35 feet uh, would look good on the resume. I think it would qualify as as quadrant one, which they've broken down. You know wins for the net rating they've broken down wins into four different quadrants based on your rating in those standings for instance Um, syracuse was a quad two win correct it was a good win it's a quality win uh, but our only quad one win currently is virginia tech we have a lot of quad one losses several of them very close that north carolina game obviously an example Uh, but i think north carolina state would qualify as a quad one win so getting a second one on there and then having at least a decent showing against Virginia in uh, the third round of the ACC tournament would be big for us. Yeah, well, uh, the well, better listen, we look think, in the ACC, ACC tournament, the better. I, I think that it's a given that eight ACC teams are going to make it in definitely, possibly nine, um, depending on how the committee kind of ranks. Well, essentially how they view the loser of the Clemson-NC State game is what it's going to mm-hmm. get down to weight against what these uh, – um, smaller conference championship games, how those things are playing out, as you mentioned earlier. So, again, Clemson wins on Wednesday against NC State. I would have them as probably the eighth overall team in the ACC, which would yep. lock them in for the tournament. Yeah, so, I think I think that game is really a, a win, and you're in. And if you lose, there's still a chance you make it. 
but you don't feel good about it. Yeah, I think both teams are in that position right now. So a lot to play for there. Um, so um, looking back at the last couple of games that got Clemson into this position, you know, we came into it a really tough loss against North Carolina at home. Prior to that, we had uh, lost an opportunity to get another quality win at home against Florida State. So when we were back at, at that point looking at our resume or our, our schedule for the rest of the year, we pointed at having to win one of those two games was crucial for us to feel comfortable ending the regular season going into the tournament. Now, that didn't happen, but we, what we really had to do is win all those other games. We did that. Um, the win at Notre Dame – last week and then the win at home against Syracuse uh, both solid victories the team needed those they were both close games uh, Syracuse in the first half later Clemson pulling away but that let's start with that Notre Dame game and this is just I mean it's the same thing that we've talked about all year long is Clemson playing to their competition it was on the road Notre Dame not a great team they finished the season 13 and 18 and three and 15 in the ACC but lo and behold it was a it was a two-point game yeah, uh, we as we've talked about before, we had one of those games where somebody on the other team has a career night. John Mooney, who has been playing really well all season, especially in ACC play, ended the night for Notre Dame with 18 points and 20 rebounds, as well as five assists. Uh, he was fantastic. And he, along with TJ Gibbs, really put on a good showing for Notre Dame, but some some late plays and some steals and defense from Marquise Reed really locked the game down at the end, but it still game, came down to the last possession or two. Well, good to see Mitchell and Reed hit some big free throws down the stretch um, in this one. Yep. Um, you know, obviously we've got the the NC State game haunts us in particular. So good to see that, but it's still disappointing to see them play the team play to the level of their competition. Um you know, Clemson led most of this uh, most of this game, most of the first half, went in tied, though, at 32. Again, led for most of the second half, but then went on a four-minute scoring drought, again, something that's happened all season long. That allowed Notre Dame to build a four-point lead with four minutes left to play, but good to see this team really um, pull themselves up by their bootstraps in a hostile environment on the road and go in and, uh, and pull off the win. You know, they shot only 25% from three, in this game and did not shoot well from three against Syracuse either. But the fact that they're winning these games, not shooting well, again, it sucks that they're not shooting well, but it's a good sign that they're all still bought in and, and, you know, fighting for their lives here. Um, Marquise Reed has really stepped it up. He was uh, eight of 13 shooting for 24 points in that game. Thomas has been solid adding 14 points, eight rebounds and four blocks. Uh, so those two guys in my mind are the lifeblood of the team right now. Absolutely. If if Eli is able to keep out of foul trouble and Marquise is hitting some of his shots, he's not ever been the most efficient scorer, but he had a great outing against Notre Dame uh, going, like you said, eight for 13 for 22. Um, anytime you're getting close to two points per shot, you're having a really good night. And uh, that was definitely one for him. Yeah, so moving on now to the Syracuse game, another good game by Reed and Thomas, both having double-doubles. Um, Clemson started this game 0 for 13 from the field and went into the half down by seven points. They really struggled with Syracuse's uh, zone defense, which we figured might be the case. We saw, what was it, Notre Dame go to that in the – was it Notre Dame that went to that in the previous game in the second yep. half? Yep. They gave, and Clemson has always had trouble with it just because mainly because right now we don't have a really a playmaking point guard. Sheldon Mitchell's really not that. Um, but 
they came out, they stepped up the defense in the second half and really started pounding it inside and got cues into foul trouble. And you and I talked about it in the first half from watching this team play that they were going to have to get the ball inside and, and at least get hacked. You said that the Tigers were going to have to win this game from the, the three-point or the free-throw line, and indeed they did. Um, they had 11 more points off of uh, free throws than Syracuse and ended up winning the game by 12. Uh, they were an astonishing 24 of 30 at the line. Good for what is that 80%. Yep. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely amazing. Um, so it was that, but it was combined with the defense, you know, Syracuse had a couple scoring droughts in the second half that allowed the Tigers to close the gap and extend the lead um, that ultimately uh, ended in that 12 point win. Um, just, they just played really physical locked down the D we're getting after every loose ball and really battling underneath the rim, which was yep. a good sign. Yep. So there was really for those guys. Absolutely. Senior night, it's always good to see the seniors step up on a night like that. You mentioned that, that Reed and um, Thomas had double doubles, but Shelton Mitchell had a pretty good night. He shot a lot of free throws, didn't shoot the ball well overall, but he got to the line a lot and had four assists. Uh, he made a couple of stupid turnovers as well, but on senior night, we got what we needed from him. He uh, took some shots that were a little too deep. Yeah, he took a couple of walk-up, very long threes that we could get at literally any point in the possession. Uh, so that was a little frustrating to watch it as always with him. Uh, the decision-making is not perfect, but he made enough good calls and enough good plays uh, on the night that he didn't hurt us. Uh, but I think the biggest thing that, that really helped in the second half was our defense was consistent from half to half. Uh, but in the second half, we scored 43 points. And one of the big changes that they made was uh, against the two, three zone of Syracuse. You've got to have somebody at the free throw line extended working and having the skill to turn that into, you know, a threat. If you've got a big guy there, like Eli Thomas is, which is who we started with there. We had Thomas and Scara trying it out. Uh, Those guys are not dangerous, dangerous enough with their passing or with their driving to really scare Syracuse and to suck defenders to them. And if they have to shoot that, it's going to be less consistent. What we did in the second half is we put Marquise Reed there for a lot of the second half and a little bit of Clyde Trapp uh, amongst others. But the Reed adjustment to that was fantastic. He was able to make some great passes down to the baseline to cutters coming in uh, to get some lay-ins. And he hit a couple shots, got fouled a bunch, uh, he ended up shooting eight free throws on the night, made all eight. And the combination of him and Mitchell just getting to the line, getting fouled, put Syracuse in major foul trouble. They had a guy foul out. Two others ended up on the night with four. Um, and they just couldn't get a rhythm in the second half on the defensive side. And for them, that's really where they they make their hay, right? They're, they're a defensive-focused team, Syracuse is. And if you can break that zone, it breaks them down. Yeah, so I mean, what in hindsight seems like a great coaching decision. Why not start off the game like that? That's a great question uh, that only the coaching staff can answer. I think they probably thought that uh, Marquise Reed was a better threat on kicks from that high post instead of being in the high post and, and working it from there. But it it worked out in the second half. It was a great adjustment, uh, and Coach Beheim and, and Syracuse couldn't figure out how to stop it. Yeah, Reed had 20 of his uh, 24 points in the second half. Um, 24 and 10 to go along with five steals. Just an incredible stat line from him. Elijah Thomas had 13 and 11 with three blocks. He stayed out of foul trouble for the most part in this game. 
As a team, Clemson out-rebounded Syracuse by 15, had three more steals, had three less turnovers. Um, the sh again, the shooting percentages uh, are not a sight for sore eyes, but all the other metrics and numbers uh, do look good on paper for this team. Um, and it looked good on the court, at least as far as their effort was concerned. Um, Amir Sims had eight points and seven rebounds. That was good to see him get inside. And five Which, assists. Yeah, and five assists. Especially so. after the Notre Dame game where he was absolutely atrocious and fouled out in like 16 minutes of play, I think. <laughs> he was terrible. 14 minutes of play uh, um, in the Notre Dame game. So, so yeah. You good need bounce to, back for him. And so only seven points off the bench in this game, which is why that you, you need your starters to stay in there and not foul out. Um, Clyde Trapp had zero points on 0 for 4 shooting, really been up and down for him uh, these last several games. Uh, but listen, those seniors weren't coming out, so it was all about them, and, and they, sh they showed out, and it's that Clemson grit, man, that they talk about. It showing through and won them the game. Yeah, I mean, speaking of not coming out, Marquise Reed played all 40 minutes uh, until the last two possessions, I think, when they got Lyles Davis in there and Trey Jemison in uh, and, and John Newman. So they put the freshman in along with Lyles, and let him go for a couple possessions. But other than that, Marquise played the entire game. Yeah, so two much-needed victories for the Clemson men's basketball team that's going to you know, set them up in as good a position as they can be in uh, going into the ACC tournament, um, at least at the point from entering into those two games. Uh, I, think it, I think as of the Notre Dame game before that, we knew we were going to be playing NC State, correct? I don't remember if it was before or after, after NC State, but yeah, it was locked down before we even went into the game with Syracuse. There was no way we were going to move up or down. It was who would be the eight and who would be the nine um, was still up in the air, I think. But the the matchup was set. Well, regardless, uh, good wins, uh, both of them. I, I know the Notre Dame game was closer than most people would have liked, but in the ACC, especially this time of year, you take every win you can get. Uh, so let's shift gears here, Sam. Uh, we did the game recaps. Let's dive a little bit deeper into the, the numbers of this team. Okay, Marquise Reed, let's talk about him. He's really been carrying this team offensively and has been a, a huge spark on defense. Um, does he, he leads the ACC in steals per game, I believe. I will take your word on that. Uh, he has a ton of them. I haven't looked at uh, statistic. Uh, third team ACC. Do you think he got uh, gypped a little bit there? Should he have been second team, maybe a little bit higher? Yeah, I think there was an argument to be made for him um, for second team at a minimum. Um, so it's kind of disappointing that he got third, but it, it's still a fantastic year for him. Uh, it's always good to get recognition. Yeah, and I think just kind of the perceived um, regression from him earlier in the season was probably a little fatigue coming off of that injury. But listen, he averaged 19 points in league play and on the year, so that's been consistent. He failed mm -hmm. to score in double digits in all um, – I'm sorry, he scored in double digits in all but one ACC game. Both his field goal percentage and three-point percentage are up from last year. And he's averaging 5.4 rebounds and 2.1 steals a game. Um, so pretty again, darn good. So technically his offense has improved over last year and his defense has improved. Yep. He, his defense, especially, I think has improved. Uh, the shooting is the only thing that kind of dropped off for, for him from last year, but he's in ACC play. Like we've talked about before his shooting, his three point shooting, especially has come back. Uh, and he's been so consistent as a scorer for us. It's been great to have someone reliable carry the team. 
Well, I think overall, though, I mean, even his field goal percentage and three-point percentage are technically better than they were last year. They're not as good, at least on the three-point percentage-wise, as they were his first year with Clemson, but on numbers alone, they're better. Yeah, now they are. Uh, coming yeah. into ACC play, he was obviously struggling. He was yeah, And he's had a really fantastic uh, ACC season um, to get him improved from last year. Uh, he shot 40% from three in ACC play, which is really, really, really good. Uh, and kind of what we were hoping we were hoping for this year from him. Um, and obviously he had a great year from the free throw line. He's one of the leaders in the ACC in, in free throw percentage. I think he was fourth overall in free throw percentage in ACC play. And uh, yeah, you're right. He is the highest in steal percentage in, in ACC as well. So and it's actually 2.3 a game, not 2.1. Like I said, yeah, very well-rounded season for him, uh, especially in ACC play. Um, now, on the flip side of that, Shelton Mitchell, um, speaking of regression, just you just haven't seen the progress that you would have hoped over his three-year career here. He has scored in double digits in the last nine games of ACC play, but it's been inefficient scoring, and we've talked about that. He had 10 versus Syracuse, but that was on 2 of 10 shooting. Uh, he got the rest at the line. He's still having issues with turnovers and bonehead plays. The end of the UC, uh, uh, North Carolina game and his deep threes versus Syracuse are the most recent examples of that. Um, at, at this point, he just kind of he is what he is, right? Yeah, I don't think we're going to see some sort of uh, surge at the in postseason play this year. He's he is what he's been all year. Uh, we can continue to expect him to shoot somewhere around thirty to thirty five percent from three, make more turnovers than we expect, make a few nice plays in transition. Especially, he's very good in, in the open court. Um, that UNC play, notwithstanding, um, but he he's not going to be you know the the distributor that we hoped he would be this year. Uh, and he's not going to be scoring 25 points a game or anything like that. Now, Eliza, Elijah Thomas, that's a guy. He's been steady all year, and he's slowly improved each year that he's been here at Clemson. He's averaging 13, over 13 points a game on the year. Um, his field goal percentage is astronomical, sitting at 62%. Um, his free throw percentage at 65 has improved. Um you know, this guy has been solid for us. And just without him, I don't know what we would have done um, in the post over the past few years. Absolutely. Especially defensively this year, he's been incredible. Um, he actually, last year, he led the ACC in block percentage, uh, which is number of shots blocked of shots attempted while he's in the game. This year, he was second in the ACC, but his percentage went up one and a half percent. So, of the shots that were taken when Eli was on the court this year, 11.7% of them, more than 10%, were blocked by him, uh, which is just wild to think about. Um, you know, And if he were able to stay on the court a little bit longer, he would have probably led or been close to leading the ACC in total blocks in that's, conference play. That's the biggest problem with him is, is keeping him on the court. You know, He averaged uh, just under 26 minutes a game this year. You'd really like to see that up 30, low 30s. Yeah, uh, and, you know, he's actually made an improvement in his fouls called against him per 40 minutes, uh, but it's still five per 40 minutes, which means Brownell can't risk playing him uh, when he gets in foul trouble because he's not going to go long without picking another one up. So he has stretches and games where where he really controls his fouls, 
but that's what we're going to need in the postseason to to see this team have any extended success. Yeah, I think, uh, well, it is an improvement over his first year at Clemson where I think he averaged about eight fouls per 30 He did. Minutes. It was 8.4 8. for 40, per 40 minutes. Last year it was down to 5.1. This year it went down just a little bit more to 5.0. So, All right, so still bad, but much 3. better. 3.4 foul improvement. Yeah, that's that's a lot for a game where you only get five total. Who says uh, Brad Belnow can't develop players? Perfect. Perfect example of that right there. Um, speaking of defense, uh, David Scarra has been really playing great defensively all year long. Um, he's also more than doubled his scoring average from last year, up to 7.4 points a game. He's shooting over 47% from the floor and 36% for three. You know, he's not going to be the guy that goes out there and drops 15 um, every once in a while. He's going to be a steady, you know, 10 is probably his ceiling, and it's not going to happen that often. Uh, but, you know, he's going to average around six, seven points a game and combine that with his, with his defense. And, you know, you're getting a lot of value out of that starting spot from him. Absolutely. I think the the offense was a pleasant surprise this season. Coming into the year, nobody really thought he was going to put up many points. We just were happy he was coming back for his defensive abilities. Um, and then, you know, the first couple games of the season, might even been the preseason games, he hit a bunch of threes in a row. And we were like, oh, maybe David went off to Croatia this summer and, and learned how to shoot. And he shot better this year than he ever has in his college career at 36%. Uh, he did have a bit of a dip in in conference play down to just under 32%. So hopefully in the next few games, he can show what he did at the, at, uh, the beginning of the year and give us another boost offensively and continue to guard the best player on the other team uh, on the wing every night. Yeah, he continues to prove while it was so valuable for him to have uh, changed his mind and come back this year. Um, and then that leads us to Amir Sims. Uh, you know, he's been more physical inside, it seems, these last few games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's still not scoring a lot, though. His uh, scoring average in ACC play continues to go down. It's down to just over seven points per game in league play. Um, and only about six and a half in his last 13 games. So again, we continue to see that uh, to drop. He scored double digits only four times in 18 ACC games. Um, But again, I think the encouraging thing from him is you're starting to see him challenge more inside, at least on the offensive end. On the defensive end, he's been fantastic. Rebounding the ball, showing the effort, everything that you would want from him on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think the last five or six games – uh, the thing that I've seen most that really kind of excited me with him uh, is something we talked about a lot, but uh, I always want him to be more aggressive around the hoop. Uh, in the first five games of ACC play, he shot two total free throws. In the last um, last six games, he's shot at least two free throws in four of the six. Um, so, you know, he's being a little bit more aggressive or at least getting fouled more when shooting. And he's a good free throw shooter, so it's nice to see him get to the line. Um, hopefully, he can continue to grow and in the offseason show some of the strides that we saw from guys like Dante Grantham in the past, where they get a little bit more confidence in either their shooting stroke or their dribbling ability and make a jump in some area of their offensive game. Well, and so that leads us to the bench. Um, and I point that out specifically because... He's going to have to grow up a lot quicker than Grantham or Gabe DeVoe did because he's going to be looked at as one of the main leaders of this team next year because we lose um, you know, four seniors and yep. we're just so young other than that. I don't think we really have any juniors on the team, do we? 
Uh, uh, Jabin White is the only one I think that qualifies. Actually, he's senior too. Yeah, so, he's he's gone next year. Yeah, um, so it's we'll have uh, Jonathan Bear is going to technically right. be a junior, but everybody else is and Trap and Sims. Yeah, and but as far as, guy, for, as far as a guy who's played three years on this team, he's going to be the only yeah. one. That's right, and and Clyde and Clyde. Um, yeah, so those two guys will look to them next year to to take on big roles. But uh, you know, the bench has just not been contributing that much offensively. Uh, they did a little bit more earlier in the year. Uh, every once in a while, Hunter Tyson hits a big three pointer. Uh, Clyde Trapp stepped in for Scar versus North Carolina and put up 15 points. So that's been good yep. to see. You're going to hope for their continued development. Uh, Javen White has been quietly doing his his thing, backing up Thomas all year long. The yep. efforts there. Um, every once in a while, he puts in a few points. I thought early in the Syracuse game that um, he might assume a bigger role, especially if Eli got into into foul trouble. Um, so I think bottom line, again, the bench is just really young, inexperienced. You just hope the young guys got enough experience to ready them from next year when they'll have to, to fill some big roles with all the departures. And attorney bid would certainly help that. And short of that, even in IT bid, which would certainly happen if we don't get into the the, the big dance. And probably uh, hosting towards their uh, development. Correct. Yeah. So uh, postseason play is always good. Uh, obviously, you want to be in the NCAA's, but hosting a game or two in an NIT tournament wouldn't hurt this team at all. Okay. Speaking of tournaments, uh, Sam, real quick before we close out, let's look at NC State. The Wolfpack is twenty-one and ten on the year, uh, nine and nine, good for an eighth-place finish in the ACC. They were 12 and one in non-conference play, with their only loss coming uh, to at then number 22 Wisconsin in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Uh, they did get a win over then number seven Auburn. No notable wins in the ACC, very similar to Clemson. Um, their best win was at home versus Syracuse. They're not a lock for the tourney either, as we mentioned. They're probably okay, but still, I wouldn't feel too comfortable. Um, and so that's NC State in a nutshell there. Um, you mentioned it. This is going to be a revenge game for the Tigers uh, um, coming off of that two-point loss, which a lot of people thought that that loss there was going to sink the men's basketball team this year. So it's quite a um, bit coincidental uh, that we end up playing them here in the first round of the ACC tournament with a tourney bid on the line. Yeah, I mean, that NC State game the first time around, uh, we made zero three-pointers, which is not something that we normally do. We average, I think, six and a half-ish a game uh, this year, and we made none, and we only shot seven. So whatever they did to get us out of our rhythm worked like a charm. Uh, The only guys that had decent offensive nights against them the first time around were Marquise Reed, who really did most of his damage from the free-throw line but also missed four four free throws late, so it could have been much better. And Eli Thomas had had a good night with eighteen and six and a very efficient scoring night. Uh, but they just didn't get any help. Nobody else scored more than nine, um, and we just we had fifteen turnovers, and it just it was ugly. The shooting was terrible, um, the three point shooting especially, and some late missed free throws by Marquise. Uh, Gave NC State the opening that they needed for Braxton Beverly to come down and hit a very long three at the buzzer to beat us. So it's, I think it's definitely going to be on uh, our team's mind that these guys didn't deserve to beat us last time, right? And we're going to show them that we're the better team. And I hope that they come out with a fire 
and ready to to take this team, this NC State Wolfpack team down. Yeah, and you mentioned how badly we shot in that game, and yet there we were, still should have won it at the end there, just coming down to some missed free throws. Um, so the Wolfpack, led by senior guard Torn Dorn, he's leading the team with uh, just about 14 points per game this year and seven rebounds. Uh, junior guard C.J. Bryce is second on the team, averaging 11.5 points a game. Their top three rebounders are guards, so it's a small team. Um, both teams average about 13 turnovers a game, have similar shooting percentages. Um, Clemson is slightly better than lo- from the line, but North Carolina State is slightly better from behind the arc, so that kind of evens out. So all in all, on paper, this is a, a pretty even game. And again, I, I would really love to see Elijah Thomas get involved here. And if we play on defense like we did against Syracuse this past weekend, really crashing the boards um, and getting at it um, in the paint, I'm really positive about, uh, I think there's probably, I feel good about the outcome of this game if we play uh, to that level on defense. Absolutely. Uh, Like you said, NC State's pretty small. They've got two players over 6'7 on the roster um, in DJ Funderburk and Wyatt Walker. Walker's their starter, but he is not an offensive threat generally. He cleans up stuff around the glass and is a pretty good rebounder and a good defender but he's not offensively skilled. Uh, DG Funderburk is sort of similar. Uh, he's their backup big guy. He He's really more of the athletic type who will go up and catch lobs and, and finish around the rim. But again, they don't do much more than rebound and play defense. So the guard play is really where it's at. Uh, Markel Johnson's one of the best point guards in the ACC. Uh, he's also a pretty good shooter. He's shown incredible improvement this year. And then CJ Bryson, Torin Dorn, are two really good slashing, uh, aggressive, driving type players. Um, and they've got their their token short white shooter guy in Braxton Beverly, who, as we all know, can hit threes. He actually had a pretty crappy game against us the first time around um, until, but that until that last three that won the game. So we have the pieces to shut this team down. Torn Dorn is a really good matchup for David Scara. Um, CJ Bryce should be able to get slowed down by either Shelton Mitchell or uh, Marquise Reed. Uh, and if neither of them can do it, John Newman should definitely be able to. Uh, Markel Johnson's really the one that scares us because that second guard position, whoever's guarding Bryce or Johnson and is the lesser defender is going to get attacked throughout the game. So we need to have good help defense. Eli needs to stay in the game and, uh, keep being that backstop at the rim. Yeah, but I think you look no further than the fact that we had the opportunity and should have won that game the first time as cause for optimism heading into this game. This isn't, um, you know, cross your fingers and hope they pull a rabbit out the hat. Like Clemson legitimately definitely win. Yeah, we can definitely win this game and we're likely should have been the better team. Uh, you know, here at the end of the year, if a couple of those close losses go the other way for Clemson, but now's the time to prove it. You have one more opportunity. You get that revenge opportunity and, you know, a win in this game puts us in the NCAA tournament in all likelihood. So, you know, the guys are going to come and focus. Now, should we win this game, we'd be going up against the one seed Virginia. Uh, Do we even bother talking about that potential game? Like we had no chance to win that. Uh, I don't think we, we really even need to touch on it. They had two guys on the all ACC all first team and DeAndre Hunter and Kyle guy. They had a third guy, Ty Jerome on the second team. And, uh, they're, they're really, really good. And they're still one of the best defensive teams in the country as they are every year under Tony Bennett. Um, 
And this year, they're also incredibly good offensively. Uh, people are going to be a little bit gun shy, I think, after the UMBC uh, debacle last year in the NCAA tournament. But they're going to be a one seed in the NCAA no matter what happens in the ACC tournament, probably. And they sure as hell are not going to lose <laughs> to a 116 matchup two no. years in a row. No way that happens. No, it's not going to happen. So this is a team that's going to make a deep run in Virginia through the NCAA tournament and probably the ACC tournament. Uh, I would be happy if we could beat the spread, whatever it ends up being against them. It's probably in a neutral site. Uh, it's probably going to be something around 10. They're that much better than us. If we can keep it under 10, I will be pleased with our performance against them. And, you know, if you end up matched up against them in, in the NCAAs, you kind of just hope for an off night from all of their key shooters and somebody catching fire on your team. Cause they're that good. Well, first things first, have to take care of North Carolina State to get there. So we'll be looking forward to that game. It's uh, noon Eastern on Wednesday. Um, regardless of the outcome of that game, we will be back afterwards either to preview the NCAA tournament or the NIT, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll probably, we'll probably get uh, with you right after the selection Sunday, either Sunday evening or Monday. Yep. If we're in, if we're not in, we might give ourselves a little bit more time to get back to you. Um, So that wraps it up for basketball. Good luck to to the Tigers on Wednesday. Let's uh, pull one out against NC State. Now, before we wrap up the show, Sam, let's talk a little baseball. Good week for Tiger baseball after uh, the sky is falling scenario in the 2-1 to series loss against South Carolina the previous weekend. But they bounced back four wins in a row. It all started off with a win at Furman um, in Floor Field. Won that one 3-1. to Furman got one in the first but didn't score again after that. Uh, freshman Jackson Lindley got the start in place of uh, Keyshawn Askew, who has been moved to a weekend starter role. We'll talk a little bit about that. He went four and two-thirds, giving up one run and five hits. Hennessy picked up uh, the win in his best outing of the year. Gave up no runs and two and a third innings pitch. Spires got the save. Tigers only had four hits in the game, which at that point is a little bit concerning coming off of the series loss to South Carolina. But listen, Furman's reliever, Rob Hughes, was nearly untouchable out of the pen. He had seven strikeouts and three innings pitch. So good win there. Uh, you, you take the weekday wins no matter how they come. Um, but that really set us up for the the weekend against North Carolina. North Carolina came into to Doug Kingsmore as the number three team in the country. And it all started with the rotation, the shakeup in the rotation. And you felt that that was probably coming with Justin Robleski after he struggled mm-hmm. in his first three starts of the season. But then as it came out, Brooks Crawford was uh, suffering a sore lower back, which in part explains the South Carolina game. So Monty Lee um, and Andrew C really needing to switch things up. Um, due to uh, both these issues with Crawford and Robleski. So that turned into Davis Sharp going uh, as the Friday starter. Matt Clark coming in out of the bullpen. He's had a good year uh, to get his first start of the year in game uh, two. And then Keyshawn Askew has been great in his midweek starts this year uh, coming in to pitch game three. And uh, I got to say, it uh, seems to have worked out. Yeah, I mean, we got three straight big, starts from from our pitchers this weekend uh davis sharp went six innings gave up three hits one run uh and three walks with seven strikeouts uh obviously we ended up winning that one uh when uh, matt clark came out for for saturday or the second game in that doubleheader, uh 
he got a lot of run support. We scored 17 runs in, in the second game against North Carolina. Uh, but he also went six innings, gave up two earned and had one walk and five strikeouts. And then on Sunday, or in the third game of the matchup, uh, Keyshawn Askew had another really nice outing, five and a third, uh, two runs, one earned, two walks, and three strikeouts. So if we're if our guys are getting five, six innings deep and giving up no more than, than two or three runs in their starts, that's going to put us in a really good position for the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll see how it plays out moving forward if Crawford gets his uh, rotation spot back and maybe Matt Clark goes back to the pin. Um We'll see how 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 uh, Monty Lee and C end up dealing with that, but just a, a really great bounce back weekend for this team, which shows you why it's why it's absolutely foolish to lose your head over a series loss to South Carolina this early in the year. We've got a lot of freshmen on this team, got a lot of questions. The rotation is going to be um, kind of in flux, uh, at least here at the early going, until you find some guys who you can rely on. Um, but then you, again, you bounce back a, a sweep against the number three team in the country and two of those in, in the walk-off variety, uh, the first coming on in the first game, uh, entering the ninth down two, uh, winning on a balk and mm-hmm. then against North Carolina in the third game of the series on Sunday. Um, you know, it was a back and forth game for the most part, uh, North Carolina extended the lead, uh, to four to two heading into the bottom of the eighth. Uh, the Tigers got runners on second and third in that game with no outs. They were only able to get one run in, but lo and behold, two outs in the bottom of the ninth. The cardiac kids are back. Sam Hall has been fantastic this year, smacked a double. And then Logan Davidson launched a two-run uh, walk-off home run. So just mm-hmm. a really fun weekend of baseball for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than a sweep of the number three team in the country. Yeah, so let's look at it. We're far enough into the season now to kind of start taking some things off the stats, um, stat lines. Uh, Hitting-wise, 275T batting average, it is up from last year, so you like to see that. Um, I mean, it's well up from last year. Yeah, it was 261, I think, last year, right? But it's the home runs. Still 25 home runs on this year, which is about on pace with last year, a little bit less. Um, But it puts us at about third in the country um, the NCAA has not updated their stats from the weekend, but that should put us about third in the country. What you're starting to see is that this team is starting to drive the ball up the middle into the opposite field more, which is really good to see, especially coming from the freshmen. There was a really frustrating moment um, in that last game against North Carolina. I mentioned the eighth inning where we only got uh, um, one of those runs across with guys on second and third no, no outs. You have a couple strikeouts from your freshmen. I believe it was uh, – uh, Hawkins and, um, and, and David Sharp in that David mm-hmm. Sharp in that game. But, um, the reason you don't worry about that too much is those guys are freshmen. You get the strikeouts no more in years past. You're seeing seniors do that, not playing fundamental baseball. But I think when you step back and look at it as a whole, as a team this year, we still have the power, um, and our batting average is up and we stolen 29 out of 36 bases. Um, that puts us around the top 10 of the country. In contrast, our opponents have only stolen, stolen four on us this year out of six attempts. So 29 stolen bases to our opponents four. That's huge. Yeah, it's, it's gigantic. Uh, and that, that speaks a little bit to our catcher play as well. Um, and how we're, we're covering the, the bases in steel situations. Um, but like you said, the batting's been great. Uh, it's very even. There's a bunch of guys that are hitting somewhere from the, the 250 to 350 range. A couple guys who are really 
excelling. Sam Hall that you mentioned is is killing it. He's hitting 357. He's already hit three home runs. Uh, Logan Davidson and Bryce Teodosio have hit five home runs each. And then Davis Sharp is obviously the the pleasant surprise as a freshman. We knew he was going to be good, but he's been spectacular. He's hitting 375. He's got a couple of home runs. Um, he's just been a revelation and not to mention the pitching, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm surprised we're not talking about him more to, to be honest with you, given that he's doing so well uh, as a starting pitcher and at the plate, um, you know, Sam Hall here leading, not only does he lead the team in average, he's getting on base nearly 50% of the time that he comes to the plate. He's 10 of 11 on stolen base attempts and he scored 21 runs on the year, which is eight more than the next guy. So he's been a, a revelation as well. Uh, Grayson Bird, everybody started chirping at the beginning of the year when he got off to a little bit of slow start, as baseball players are wont to do. Um, he's been really hitting better lately, up to 321 on the year. He's not hitting with power. Um, his slugging percentage is a little bit low at 42, but I'd rather take the average from him um, and, and really see him get bought into hitting for average than trying to to, to park the ball over the fence every single time. Yeah. Um you know, the, the contributions from the guys that are hitting in the 250 to 300 range, guys like Kyle Wilkie, uh, who's also obviously doing a great job behind the plate. Uh, Birds was down there and has gotten his average up to 321, like you said. Uh, Jordan Green and um, Michael Green have also had some good showings. Green, Michael Green struggled a little bit. He's hitting around 200, uh, but he's had some good hits at times uh, at key moments. So, if we can continue to get decent contributions from the guys that are not the all-star caliber players um, and, you know, get the guys like Davidson, Teodosio, Sam Hall, uh, and Grayson Bird to to get some big hits and David Sharp to get some big hits to to get them in, we, we're going to have a great offense. And these guys have, have found a way to score runs even when they're not hitting for average. Yeah, I mean, it's really shaping up to be a really solid offense this year. And we mentioned some of the slow starts. Uh, Logan Davidson was was one of those, but he's up to 288 on the year and obviously had the walk-off homer against North Carolina State to seal the sweep. Uh, Briar Hawkins, a fresh, uh, he's a guy that's really come on as a freshman. He's batting 370 on the year. I mean, him and Davis Sharp technically lead the team. Two freshmen, Sharp at 375 and Briar yep. Hawkins at 370. So yep. um, just, you know, Fantastic showing from those young guys. You mentioned uh, Michael Green, and he's a very interesting situation. I bet a lot of people wonder why Monty Lee is stuck with him in the lineup. I know he's been struggling around the Mendoza line all season long, but when you really look at his stats, um, he doesn't strike out much. He really is putting the bat on the ball, and it's just a matter of some lucky breaks. But if he keeps making contact like that, it's going to turn around from him. Yeah, it's a guy, like, like we said, he's only hitting 200, but he's got nine hits on the season and only four strikeouts. Uh, if you look at the guys like Sam Hall or uh, Logan Davidson, that ratio is not quite as good. Davidson especially has uh, 19 strikeouts on the season to just 15 hits. So if you're getting more than two times the number of strikeouts, uh, two times the number of hits that you are to strikeouts, that's that's pretty solid. He's just got to continue to get get the bat on the ball and and he'll have some breaks come his way eventually. Yeah, and then Keir Meredith has hit well in limited action this year. Um, so just a lot of pot of positive sides for a lot of this a lot of the young guys that we're gonna rely on heavily. Um, Chad Ferry is a guy that I am really pulling for for him to get his first hit. Uh, obviously, Monty Lee sees something in him to keep rolling him back out there. He's hitless in 17 at bats. 
Um, he That's looks like he's a good runs, hitter though. when you watch him at the plate. He, he um, and he walks a lot. Has yep. more uh, more walks and strikeouts this year. And for a guy who's hitting zero, his on base percentage of two ninety two is actually pretty solid. Yeah, I mean. If you're getting on base a third of the time without ever getting a hit, that's pretty impressive. Wait till he starts um, hitting. If he if he can get a hit every now and then, um, you know his his on base up will obviously shoot up to well over 300, uh, which will put him in line for a potential starting role. Um, and you know he's he's got the uh, he's got the eye at the plate. Like you said, he's got more uh, walks than he has strikeouts. Six well, walks in, in only 17. Uh, at bats, twenty-three plate appearances with six walks is pretty darn good. Well, his uh, his walk was one of the crucial runs, I think, there in the last NC State game or North Carolina game over the weekend. Um, he got pulled for a pinch runner. Uh, I think it was Elijah Henderson that came in for him. But um, regardless, that walk led to a huge run. Um, flipping over to the pitching side, uh, three eighty-three team ERA is not bad. Uh, a good strikeout to walk ratio, giving us some homers uh, more than we have in years past. But all in all, they've been really solid, especially considering how young they are. Yeah, I mean, if you if you take out the home runs and the ERA of of a guy like Brooks Crawford, who has clearly struggled so far this year, uh, good outing against North Carolina. But the guys that are are really impressing are guys like Davis Sharp, who we've already talked about, uh, but Matt Clark has been great so far this year. 15 inning pitched a 240 ERA. Um he's two or 3-0 in in record, so he's you know, he's been fantastic. If we can continue to get that kind of a contribution from him, I wouldn't even want Monty Lee uh to send him back to the bullpen because if we can get, you know, five, six innings out of him of one or two uh run Pitching, that's that's going to put us in a great position for every game he's in. Yeah, but Lee and C's philosophy seems to be with some of these guys is to keep them in the bullpen so they have the option of using them in more than one game. So it would be interesting to see how he handles that, whether he uh, leaves Clark in there and either puts uh, Crawford in the bullpen or moves uh, Keyshawn Askew back to the, the midweek starter role. But, um, you know, ask you two and oh, and three starts with a three, four, four ERA. Mm-hmm. Um, hasn't solid. walked a lot of guys this year, he's been solid. Um, you got to love what you saw out of him in the North Carolina game, absolutely. Um, he's uh, he's definitely going to be a good starter for us, whether he ends up in that midweek role or one of the weekend roles, yeah. And so, we always wonder are these freshman pitchers ever going to hit a wall? I think Robleski stumbling out of the gates, we'll see what Askew does, we'll see what Davis Sharp does, but you know. Davis Sharp, a two one eight ERA. He's averaging over five inning pitches uh, a start, which you know Clemson the last few years has not had starters go deep into ball games. He has thirty strikeouts to only eight walks, and he's holding opponents to a one eighty one batting average. Um, pretty phenomenal stat line there. Yeah, it's pretty darn good. We'll take that. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if uh, if Crawford's able to recover and if he gets a starting uh, roll back. He did decent in his first two starts, but struggled in that South Carolina game. But again, we'll see how much that back injury had to do with it. Um, other notables out of the spin, uh, out of the bullpen. Sorry, uh, Spears Carson Spears has been really solid this year. He's got a 108 ERA with four saves. Holt Jones has been great, 104 ERA. So um, just as the bullpen was dominant last year, they look to continue that this year. Hennessy has really bounced back with a couple good outings out of the bullpen. 
Uh, so overall, yeah, the, the bullpen has been solid this year. Uh, we'll see what happens with Robleski if they move him more into a weekend bullpen role. Um, you know, I, I don't wonder if his uh, confidence has been shot in these first three games. So we'll see how they deal with that. Mm-hmm. Um, upcoming, uh, we've got Coastal Carolina at home on Wednesday. Uh, they're a, a ranked team this year, you know, and they're just a few years removed from winning at all. Uh, and then got Notre Dame at home this coming weekend, which should be an easy series victory for Clemson. We'll see if they can pull off the sweep again. And then we got a back-to-back midweek set against College of Charleston after that. And then finally, we start getting into some road series as Clemson looks to move out of the south in the really kind of crappy weather they've been having there so far. Uh, moving up north and some other places uh, across the, the East Coast. So we'll be back as well to, to keep following up with the baseball team as they continue on here early in the season. And, of course, we will be back, as we mentioned, to recap Clemson's ACC tournament run and hopeful uh, projections into the NCAA tournament. It's also football season, at least spring practice season as well. So you're starting to see a lot of the, sh- the storylines coming out of spring practice. So at some point, probably after the spring game, we'll be back with a football check-in. And then, of course, be on the lookout for these other little episodes like the one we did with um, with TJ Harley. Again, appreciate all you listening. Again, be sure to follow us on whatever podcasting app that you prefer. Feel free to reach out to us uh, at Clemson Podcast on Facebook and Twitter and then ClemsonPodcast at gmail.com. And then if you have a moment, leave us an iTunes review. Uh, We'd really appreciate that. So appreciate you guys once again uh, tuning in and listening. And until next time, and as always, go Tigers. Football check-in, and then of course, be on the lookout for these other little episodes like the one we did with um, with TJ Harley, um, trying to get uh, to more of those uh, human pieces. I guess you would call them. Uh, what do you call them, Sam? Interviews. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's a tough word, Ben. Sorry. Oh, interviews. Yeah, I, yeah I, interviews. Yeah. Well, anyways, to show you the 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 human, the non-sports side of things, whatever. The word for that is, um, again, appreciate all you listening.